We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that you could invest in crypto through your retirement account? That's right. iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. With iTrust Capital, you also get the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. Visit iTrustCapital.com to start investing today. That's iTrustCapital.com. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Incorporated does not provide legal, investment, or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it for two seconds. Unbelievable. He throws. Got He used to tell me, those places are great, but there's no place like Kansas. Alright folks, what's good? We are back with another episode of Ain't No Chief. We've been, we've been out a little bit, but we had to with college football being back. Uh, obviously have a little KU football preview and we couldn't do that without bringing on the man, the most well-known, you got to be the biggest KU football fan. Anyone knows Bryson Stricker. He's got his own KU, he's got a KU football podcast there. He only talks about KU football, which is actually stunning, but I respect you for it. And, uh, we're happy to have you on. How you doing, Bry? I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, dude. I, I've been excited, you know, to finally get to talk KU football. Like, everyone I talk to is, like, especially with everything going on, like, excited for sports to be back. But, like, the one team I think everyone's not excited to be, have back is KU football because it's, like, what do we stay in the game? But, dude, I'm telling you, I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm ready and uh, excited to talk about it. Yes, if, if, if anybody's ready for it, it is our guy, Bry, who, if you don't know him, he once jumped a fence, um, allegedly. <laughs> Ran on the tarmac, allegedly, uh, to try and see who was getting off the KU private jet. So if you're if you're new to him and need to figure out how much this guy cares about KU football, uh, that should tell you it all. But I guess while we're at it, ABB turn. How are you two doing? I am. Oh, I'm doing. You go ahead, sir. You're first. <laughs> 
living. Uh, I'm excited for football season. Can't believe it's only, well, I guess like a day away from NFL. And I guess college has already started, but a lot of bigger schools will play this weekend. And excited to get some content out just because I'm sure a lot of fans aren't too familiar with our team and stuff. So, Yeah, I mean, same. I'm ready for football, I think. Uh, I don't know about you guys. There, I feel like there's less of a buzz this year. I don't know if it's the pandemic. I don't know if it's conferences not playing. I don't know if for the Chiefs specifically that they just won the Super Bowl and that's kind of what we've been wanting them to do our whole lives. They finally did it. I don't know where you guys stand with that, but I think tomorrow when I see Mahomes slinging a ball around and Saturday when I see KU run on the field, we'll be, uh, we'll be fully back. When I saw the, the Chiefs play <laughs> on Thursday, like on Sunday when I was looking, I about fainted. I could not believe it's insane. The football was already here. But, yeah, it is nuts. I'm hoping that it all feels normal. Um, but you know what is normal? And we'll just get kicked off. Right away with KU football, there's a quarterback um, battle going on in Lawrence, which we are used to. We're, what, three days away from the kickoff and don't know the quarterback for the a millionth year in a row. So, Bri, fill our fans in. Who are the two – I know there's coming down to two guys. Who are the two guys we're looking at quarterback-wise, and do you have any feel on where you think – who you think will get the start on Saturday? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the field's been, um, you know, since last season ended. Obviously, we didn't get Felipe Franks, which I don't think any of us want to rehash all of that. But, um, you know, since spring football tried to start and failed, um, you know, it's been Miles Kendrick and Thomas McVitty, um, and really no one else in that realm of conversation with them. You know, Les Miles has, has said Miles Fallen and said Jordan Medley and said Jalen Daniels. I mean, I do think Jalen Daniels has a chance. I do think that if the wheels come off the bus, I think there's a chance Jalen Daniels uh, gets a chance to play this year. But it's really been Thomas McVitty and, and Miles Kendrick since the beginning. One thing I think is really interesting, and it even kind of dates back to last season, is when I was hearing about fall camp last fall, I was hearing the entire time, like, this is not Thomas McVitty and Carter Stanley. I mean, that Carter Stanley is so much better than everyone, but it's like Carter and Thomas are getting the snaps with the ones. But it was like Thomas didn't deserve to be there, and Carter clearly was the best. And then you have a little sprinkle of, like, uh, Manny Miles and Miles Kendrick. And a lot of people were saying that Miles Kendrick, you know, looked good, but, you know, having a five foot nine kid under center just isn't a recipe for success. Um, so what the, I find to be interesting is I was told, you know, by some people that have the experiences that they thought Miles Kendrick was going to be the front runner to be quarterback. And I think most Kansas fans, and maybe even, my, even myself included, you know, that's not the most appetizing thing to hear, you know, going into this fall. is that the kid, you know, that looked small out in the field and, and really never got to do anything and, you know, had that famous, like, fourth down run, you know, with David Beatty in overtime against Nickel State where I, I just don't even begin to know what the idea behind that play call was. But I think what I've heard has happened was that Thomas Biddy um, was surprising starting fall camp. I think he came out to a very early lead, which I don't think was what was expected. Um, but I've heard lately that, that Miles Kendrick, is, something's clicked, something's happened, and this thing has really gotten to 50-50. Um, but I do think there's going to be a clear advantage to Thomas McVitie in terms of who starts. I don't think it's even probably up for debate that Thomas McVitie starts at this point. But I think the question really becomes who will be better on Saturday, because I do think both of them will play. Um, I really think the only chance both of them don't play is KU comes out and just absolutely starts destroying Coastal Carolina with Thomas McVitie at quarterback. Um, and even then in that situation, assuming our defense is putting up a fight, I mean, you might even see Miles Kendrick at some point 
um, you know, a mop-up plan. But I think Thomas McVitie will get the start. I think he's the guy Les wants. You know, Les wants a bigger quarterback. I think our offense, you know, suits having a taller quarterback because for what I've been able to gather, obviously, Miles Kendrick is very short. I mean, I would put him in that 5'9", 5'10 range. And one of the situations is an offense that's designed around making quick reads is impossible when you when you can't see over your linemen. So it's one of the situations I think the offense has to be tailored towards Miles Kendrick a little bit differently. And I don't fear Brent Damon's ability to do that, but I think Tom Smith is going to be our guy, uh, at least taking the first snap on Saturday night. Okay. And, okay, so there's a nice little, uh, you know, an actual deep dive on who, who might get to start. A, B, B turn coming from just us idiots as fans that aren't really looking at the offense that closely. Who, who's the cooler quarterback? Who do we want to play quarterback as fans? Like Carter, I just – it was fun to cheer for a guy like Carter Stanley. He was just a yeah. good guy. Do we feel bad that Thomas McVitie came here expecting to start? Like if he weren't able to lead KU this year, would we feel bad for him or do we feel bad that Miles Kendrick's been here how many years? Three, four? It and feels like 50. I know. He's been here 50 years. So I'm like – I always look at it from, okay, who – obviously who's better, but like who would be the cooler quarterback to have? A.B., I'll throw it to you. I, I think McVitie, just because there, like, was legitimate hype for him at some point. Like, when we got him, he was the number one Juco quarterback. He was supposed to be, you know, the next two years trying to turn us into some sort of respect to hand it off to whoever takes over. So, just with that aspect, I'm, I'm fine with either, but I just think that the whole McVitie story, like, just seeing that come to fruition. And I remember last year, like, going into this, None of us thought Carter was going to be anything special. And then, like, with the help of Dearman, he put together the best KU quarterback season in a decade. So, like, that's kind of what I'm hoping for when we get somewhat similar story from McBitty to just, like, put it all together with Dearman and, you know, have some sort of success with all that hype we had. Yeah, I feel like we all thought that McVitie would end up starting before the year started. Like, he came from a D1 school, too, and he talked about the JUCO ranking and things like that, but... Miles Kendricks obviously waited his turn, and I think we need a QB that's more mobile. I know McVitie can't move too well, get outside the pocket and make plays. So I don't know. I don't know if our O line is going to be good or not, but I feel like we need a QB that can make shit happen on his feet too. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures now. Head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, so, Bri, I'll, I'll kind of go back to you there. Obviously, Deerman's known for just having this electric offense. We loved watching it when it was clicking last year. Do you think McVitie – I mean, I think we could all agree if McVitie can go out and even come close to having the type of season Carter just had, we would be absolutely thrilled. And I don't. I think it's unfair to expect him to have that good of a year. But, I mean, do you think McVitie is a pretty solid fit for what Deerman's going to be doing? Yeah, so I think that's like a really interesting question. And, you know, going back to last year as well, when Les Miles was brought here, he brought in Chip Lindsay, who brought in Thomas McVitie. And Chip Lindsay isn't necessarily the only reason Brent Dearman is here, but that connection is what got him with Les Miles after Chip Lindsay moved on. 
and got him brought here. And they both run, you know, RPO-based systems, and, uh, and even more so come from that Auburn base of running a more spread style that uses an H-back and runs a lot of RPO. So I was actually curious, you know, moving into the fall, and when we were very quickly looking at moving on from Les Kinnig and, and putting in Brent Dierman as offensive coordinator, you know, I reached out to some people uh, who worked with Brent Dierman at KU, um, and basically was like, you know, does this change who our quarterback is going to be? Is Carter, I mean, and this, mind you too, this is after Carter Stanley lost to Coastal Carolina. And it's like, are we going to move on from Carter Stanley? Is Carter Stanley not the quarterback for this RPO-based offense? And I was told two quotes. One of them was that they believed that Brent Dearman could turn a grain of salt into Tom Brady. And the second quote was that the offense is meant for anyone. I mean, Brent Dearman makes this offense very simple. And quite frankly, they heavy over-exaggeration said, you know, you could learn this offense. Like, you, if you could come in here and, and have the physical capabilities, you could learn this offense. So I think for for Thomas McVitie, I, I do think that he will find success in this offense. I, I really do think this comes down to who can just play well physically under the lights. I don't think an understanding of the offense will lean to benefit one quarterback or another. I really think it's going to come down to when the lights come on, who's going to put the ball in the hands of our playmakers? Because there's no doubt, and I'm sure we'll get to this on the podcast, I mean, there's no doubt Kansas has playmakers. And at this point, it's who can manage this game and I, I almost kind of think mentally in my head when I'm thinking about this is that 2018 David Beatty's last season team, the reason Peyton Bender was quarterback was because all he did was make sure he didn't turn the ball over and manage the game somewhat well. And I hope we can get better production. I, I think both of these quarterbacks can give us better production than that. But I think at the same time, I think this year's team gets that, gets that quarterback that can manage the game and not turn the ball over. I think the season's going to you know at least meet just about anybody's expectations for Kansas. So essentially, we don't we don't need a superstar. We just need someone that's not going to stink badly. <laughs> I'm honestly I'm honestly really excited to see uh, Deerman call a game against a shitty team because last year he didn't get to call the plays against uh, Indiana State and Coastal. So I feel like maybe our offense could, I mean, put up a forty. I mean, that's high expectations, but you don't want to score seven points on the first drive and then not score again <laughs> the rest of the game again against them. Sounds kind of fun to me. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> that was the worst night of my life. Just kidding. It was well, way worse for Bry. Who had, it seems like Bri you've had, got a pretty good life going if that's the worst night of your life. KU, <laughs> Bry had KU over three and a half wins, right? Is that what it was? Uh, oh, yeah, over three and a half, man. That was, that's rough. That was plus odds, too, man. That's rough. <laughs> when they lose to Coastal Carolina, that three and a half number looks tough. Exactly. Yeah. They would have, we would have been three and zero with a winnable game against West Virginia in Lawrence. Yeah, and I felt like Dearman wasn't even calling the plays that game, either. Like at least yeah. not one hundred percent of the plays. No. So you mentioned it, Bri. We we've, we've got playmakers, and I just want to get. I guess I think eventually we want to talk a little bit about newcomers, and if there's any newcomers that fall into this category. But like, we obviously we have Puka. And I think the main thing is KU fans, like we watch, at least most of us, we watch KU football games hoping that the ball somehow ends up in Puka Williams' hands on like 90% of the plays. Now, whether or not that's realistic, it's clearly not. But like, I think the main thing people want to see this year is making sure we are getting Puka in, our, in, in places where he can excel. It felt like uh, with Koenig last year, it was constantly just – forcing him up the middle. 
Do you think this is the year where we're finally just going to get to see Puka utilize exactly how he should be? Yeah, I, I, I feel pretty confident that's going to happen. And, you know, you watch that Miles to go clip, and the first thing Brent Dearman said, you know, and when he addressed the team and got to talk to people afterwards was talking about getting Puka Williams in space. And I, I think that is something that Brent Dearman hasn't had as a weapon. You know, I've watched a, a bunch of his Bethel tape. I, you know, I, I've read his book. And one thing I thought was really interesting, while his team did, I think, lead the lead, you know, D3 in rushing or whatever, is that at the end of the day, his running backs weren't Puka Williams. I mean, not a single one of those kids is, is going to have a future in the NFL. Not a single one of those kids was an amazing player. But his offense was just a really, really good concept where it was like, it didn't even take great athletes. But now you're taking someone like Puka Williams, who, as far as I'm concerned, is the most electric running back in college football. And you're giving that extra element of where he doesn't need as much space. Or you get him open, and it's game over. Get him an open field. And I think Brent Dearman is a mastermind. And as far as I'm concerned, I definitely think he's going to utilize Puka correctly. And I really do think, you know, that utilizing Puka, if you just look at when Kansas had success and when they didn't last season, it was proper utilization of Puka. I mean, it's as simple as that. And you even go back to that Coastal Carolina game. The kid only had 99 rushing yards, but the one touchdown we scored was on one of two plays the entire game that we had two running backs on the field, and everybody went chasing after Puka, and Cleo Herbert was him him in the sideline and up and out in front of him. So I think proper utilization of Puka Williams is the most important thing for this Kansas team to find success, and, and I don't think that, you know, me at home knowing, I, I know that, and I imagine Brett Dierman knows that, and I think uh, we're definitely going to see that more this year. I freaking hope so. ABB turn. Do you guys? I feel like you guys. You follow Heisman uh, each year. You probably bet on it. And I guess I'll throw this out to everyone. Is there an actual? Do you guys see a scenario where Puka could actually make noise in that, or is there just? Is it just going to go to an Oklahoma quarterback? (laughs) Teams that have top five play or teams that are top five in the country, or like actually dream that Puka could at least make make it on stage that day as a finalist. The only problem is we'd have to win a good amount of games, right? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think so. What I was throwing out is, like, when's the last time there was a candidate from a team that just was not good? Because, I mean, it's going to be Lawrence, Justin Fields, and probably Spencer Rattler or something like that. But, I mean, Puka, he does – he has he could have a game where he has well over – I mean, close to 300, like, total yards, like – catching out of the backfield and right like he could have a 200 yard rushing game and then i mean he has huge nights and he definitely could take advantage against a team like coastal i feel like i just i just don't think enough people are going to notice like even if he does go off it's like i know there's like half the teams are playing this year but it's still kansas football they're still going to go two and eight probably it's like that's my point you said justin fields he's not he might not even play i mean i i don't know where big 10 stands but like are they oh yeah I feel like they might end up playing, but I'm just saying. All I, I ask it back Puka to you. Actually, be I want Puka to be in the conversation. That would be so fun. But I, I get it. It's probably not. I, I want to throw it back to you. How crazy do you think you? Or how? Yeah. How crazy do you think it is? Because I'm, it almost I'm, sounds like I'm kind of with it, you the way guys. you said it, the way you asked, it's like you also know it's crazy. But I want you to acknowledge that you know it's crazy, so you don't log into Twitter tomorrow morning and see people saying that you think there's going to be a KU football player in the Heisman race. Well, no, it's not me thinking that's going to happen. It's just my brain. I sit here and I think of scenarios, and I was thinking exactly what you said. There are so many teams not playing football this year. The player pool is smaller. 
players are opting out. Good players are opting out. Like, you never know. I'm just saying. I want it to happen. I just wanted to speak that into existence. How how worried are you guys about not having a quarterback that can move the ball and defenses stacking the box against him? I think what we've established is that we've got to move the ball, right? Like, yeah, I, I just – I think I rely on Dearman more with that than any quarterback we put out there, even any running back we put out there. Could he go first or second round in the draft? I think he'd have to go nuts. But I don't know. I don't follow the draft too closely. Yeah. I don't know. Brian. Is it, is it an absolute lock like that he's done so after this year, Brian? Um, I mean, I would I would have to assume he is. Because, I mean, I, I just, you know, I don't want to make assumptions about, you know, the kids that decide to stay and the kids that decide to leave. But, you know, hardly ever do you see the kid at a two and eight three and seven team being the one that said, Hey, I'm coming back. Um, yeah. But I, I would say Puka is probably a 90% chance he goes. And I would say, I, I haven't heard a lot of steam in regards to where he'll go. I, I can't imagine him going in the first. And I would more say like, I think a high upside. And I do think it's very likely this happens is that he goes in the second or third, because a kid like that, I think like you see his load at Kansas and like the kid is not only like only like five foot two, eight or nine and 170, but the kid, I've seen a kid truck kid. I mean, he, I remember last year we played Texas. He like was running towards the left sideline with the ball in his right hand and switched it to his left and threw a five-star recruit off of it. It was like, I mean, that dude that he threw in, threw off of him, it was going to be in the NFL probably at some point. And he just literally just threw the dude. And there's that play against Oklahoma his freshman year where like Kenneth Murray and a couple other D1 football or, D, or NFL players literally like mounted on top of him and he's just like spinning around in circles and stuff and it's like some of the stuff he does is just unmatched and I think there's going to be a team and I know all of us obviously I mean I know you guys are Bank of Chiefs fans it's like you imagine Puka Williams in that offense man like it's like you don't need him out there on every down but you put him out there on third down man and it's like you just there's a team out there that needs that and, and I think there will be a team that goes out there and just scratch him because it's just no point not to um it's kind of what I would say in regards to that yeah, he is an electric factor. I mean, if he was at a big school, I feel like he'd almost be a lock to be a first-rounder. Yeah, I still think – I mean, I feel like his size is always going to be the thing that people – even if he was at, like, an Oklahoma or something. But I don't know. Uh, what is he, like 5'9", five, 5'8", five, yeah, five eight, five eight, yeah. How much does he weigh? Like 170. Jesus. So – not to make this all about quarterback and not to make this all about Puka. Um, this team, as Bry said earlier, absolutely does have some playmakers. It has some dudes that we are excited about. I, I'm just going to throw out the name that I'm really excited about because I thought he was incredible last year and exceeded my expectations. Andrew Parchment, um, wide receiver. He's a red shirt or he's a Juco senior, right? Is that right, Bry? Uh, do you expect him to kind of have the same similar year that he had last year where he obviously made some big plays, or do you think he's even going to be better than that? Um, I think as a player, he will be better. I, I don't even think there's an argument in regards to Emmett Jones being a coach and every player under him just continuing to get better. I think it will be interesting to see how teams handle him, especially how we handle the quarterback situation and how well our teams can throw. Because I feel like Carter Stanley surpassed expectations in his ability to throw the ball downfield. And I really, even not even just about Thomas McVitie, but Miles Kendrick, obviously, as well, is their ability to accurately throw the ball down the field and what that will do to limit people. 
But I think at a bare minimum, I think you're going to see Andrew Parchment make more plays. And, and I find it just laughable. You know, you sit here and you look at this death chart. You know, Andrew Parchment, obviously, I, mean, I think he was first team all big 12 by the media. I could be wrong, but uh, he was pretty highly touted, you know, going into the season. And, I mean, he was like the least, like the least popular. I was on your podcast like a, a little over a year ago, you know, talking about what's Miles' first class. And, you know, I didn't mention, I don't think I mentioned Andrew Parchment once. And it's like, situation that like he was so under under recruited and so untalked about that you know no one really knew that he was this beast and then fall camp his name starts coming up and then he becomes the player he is so i'm definitely excited i, I think andrew parchment's going to succeed on the field and i think at a bare minimum that receiving group we have is a solid six or seven guys that are very very good and i think at least andrew parchment will get to a point he's opening the field up for other players and, and just allowing the offense to kind of um, become better that way as well yeah, he doesn't really – he doesn't drop passes at all, and he moves the chains a lot. Like, he's big-time possession receiver. Just throw it up to him, he'll go get it. Is it crazy to think he could play in a league? No. I, 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 I talked to a KU coach that is no longer at KU. Is that another school that was recruiting Andrew Parchment? And they said this kid is – and I know there's been rumors. I mean, I guess rumors, but he has some off-the-field issues is why he is at KU, quite frankly. I mean, he would have he been at a major school – if it wasn't for that, to be honest. Um, but, I mean, they, he has everything you need to succeed in the NFL. I think as long as, you know, keep the head on straight, uh, continue to progress. And I would say, like, the only issue I could ever see is the hands. Like, I think he has good hands, but, you know, he doesn't have, you know, sure fire, like, guaranteed catching the ball hands. So, I would say, like, that will be my own thing. But, I mean, he's fast. He's tall. About everything you can ask for a receiver. So, I would definitely probably expect to see him at least get some looks in the NFL. Yeah. So I guess take us through. We've we've covered Puka. We've covered. I think Parchment. I mean, I guess Stephon Robinson. Who, who's going to be wide receiver number one? Who's going to be third down? We got to go get a first down. Who's the guy Thomas McVitie's looking to? Is it Parchment? Is it Robinson? Is it someone else? Um, I, I think it's a mix of them, and I, I I don't know. Like, and obviously, you know, everyone knows I'm the king of the Dale and Charlotte fan club. I I don't think we have a Dale in Charlotte where it's a guy that's like tough enough to go up and grab the ball or like, you know, wrestle the ball from someone else. But I think all, all two of the two you mentioned, uh, Kwame Lasseter is somebody too. I think, I mean, in the Texas Tech game last year, I think he had a pretty big third down catch as well. I mean, he, I'd probably say he's probably your most sure handed guy. Um, so I think it's not going to be as like, Hey, we're going to this guy, but I would imagine Andrew Parsons going to be the guy that, you know, if we need a play, he's going to be the one probably on the receiving end of that getting set up for him. But, I think the entire wide receiver group is going to be solid. I mean, that is a, a group that has some talent, um, some young talent as well. I know we're going to talk about the young talent, but that group is pretty deep. And I would probably say probably the deepest it's maybe been as far as I'm ever concerned in regards to football. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there's one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. Ab, are you remembering to do so? I mean, he, he just can't not remember it. You know, not even for anybody else, but for yourself. You respect yourself. Clean yeah. yourself up a little bit. And you want to know a freeing feeling? It's a cooling feeling. It, it, certainly, and it's even better when you can use the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. It's a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower in the dark 
or in a dark shower, whatever floats you both. Yeah, I hate whatever sets the mood, man. Yeah, they they also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Shears 2.0 nail kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nose in style. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver. AB is the biggest advocate of that. Look, I mean, it. there's just nothing else to say. It smells so good. It, it's... It, and it just, it, like I said, it's cooling. It just, it makes everything just feel better. Yeah. One less thing you got to worry about on a hot tailgating day. That, that's true. If you're going to be tailgating, the, the sun's coming back. We're not, it's not going to be cold all week. You're going to need the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that sunny swamp ass. Sunny summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. We won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself. So go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of the show will get 20% off plus free shipping with, with code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by saving that front trunk. And before we get back to the show, I just wanted to touch one more time on Bet Online. Uh, you might not be at the game, but you can still be in on the action over there. So get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on win, division, championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yep, I'm, I'm excited. I hope we have a quarterback that can get them the ball. And I know we've. We've gone over that, but you mentioned it, and this is where I think a lot of KU football fans are, you know, the normal fan out there waits for game day, and then they start to learn who the newcomers are. Like, they're not following KU football recruiting because that's kind of an insane thing to do. Um, but you do. So do you uh, – who, who are some of those newcomers that you mentioned that we might see day one and be like, oh, shit, who's this guy? We like it. Yeah, so – uh, I'll talk about the first one. This is the one taking taking the number of my man Dale and Charlotte, number two, Lawrence Arnold. Uh, he's probably the most high, I mean highly touted receiver we brought in in this class. I think you know if you follow KU football at all, you knew he was coming. Um, he's someone who I think we will see early and often, and I would fully expect at some point in his KU football career to be all big twelve. I mean, this kid is talented. Um, very good recruit out of Texas. I would say another one, which I thought was very interesting. You know, if you would have told me to rank all the kids we brought in in last year's class and, like, especially from the wider receiver position to see who would be getting early looks, Stephen McBride out of uh, Louisiana, I think he played at East Ascension or something like that. Uh, he's a receiver who's, as far as the depth chart is concerned, he's backing up Andrew Parchment. Um, and I thought, found that to be interesting because we did bring in some other guys. I mean, Tristan Golightly was one who I definitely expected to probably – and I think we will see him on the field. Malik Johnson, um, another one of that position as well. So it's been interesting to see which freshmen on the offensive side have gotten involved. And what I thought was interesting as well is who was backing up at center. Garrett Jones was a freshman uh, that came in in the, in the winter, I guess, like graduated in January and came in. And then obviously didn't get to go through spring football. But my understanding when he came in was he was a little bit bigger than advertised and shorter than advertised. And I think that was one of those situations where it's like 
you know, that happens and you just kind of, especially for an offensive lineman, you kind of write him off for a while. Like, I mean, you're like, okay, you know, he's got some weight to lose. He's got this to work on, this, that, the other. Well, from what I've been able to gather is, I mean, he's pretty ready. And I don't think he's going to play unless something happens to Apimane. But at the same time, I think Garrett Jones is someone that I wouldn't be surprised at some point, you know, if something does happen to Apimane. And then a kid that I didn't even really realize was on the roster was Jack Werner. He's a redshirt freshman who came, who's the only offensive lineman recruit in Les Miles' original class. And apparently he is our backup left guard behind Jacoby Lott. And I think I would say there, too, I think Adagio Lopetti is the backup right guard would actually probably play left guard before Jack Warner would come in. But I thought that was interesting as well. Um, and I think there's maybe a conversation that's too long for a, a podcast to talk about our lack of a line depth. But uh, I, I thought that was interesting, for sure, seeing his name on there. I'll be honest with you. Like I said, I had no idea that dude was on the roster. So um, that is either a, a sign of a sign of good things, I would I would guess I would say, in regards to him, and probably a little bit of a worry um, in regards to our roster. But moving on to defense, um, Karam Twenty, I think, has to be your biggest surprise. I mean, he is starting at corner, and he's a freshman, and he, I believe, rivals had him as our third lowest recruit, um, two-star kid out of Virginia. He did have Virginia and Virginia Tech offers, um, so it's like kind of a situation where, like, you know, you probably assume that Rivals was off a little bit here, but very interesting to see a kid that comes in as a freshman. He did he was here in January as well, uh, come in and take the job from Elijah Jones, who when Elijah Jones was brought in by David Beatty was uh, predicted to be a starter, you know. So I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, John Quay Lewis was another recruit in this past class from Florida. He's actually backing up a free safety. And he's a quarter in high school, and he also played wide receiver. He had tons of offers to play wide receiver, like, Michigan State, I think, was after him at wide receiver. So that's another interesting one. It's insane athlete. So I imagine we'll see him on the field um, at some point as well. And then I think the other freshman, I guess I would say, there's a pretty good chance that we see at some point is Kenny and Caldwell. I don't know how he has worked out in terms of his weight situation because he was a very big, burly man. Um, but that kid that knows tackle is going to be someone that we see on the field. That kid is insanely talented. Uh, and I, I don't see a way that he gets kept off the field this season. Yeah. So first of all, AB, is there any other podcast in the KU football world that's going to be talking about the backup center for the Kansas football Jayhawks? Maybe the Jayhawky boys, but <laughs> no, no, no. No, Bryce got that on lock, and I very much appreciate it because I feel like O-line depth especially, we haven't had a good offensive line in – I don't want to put a number on it, but it's just, it feels like we're always – we have like seven guys, eight guys, and it's just like it never works out. So hearing that there are some promises of young dudes coming up, that gives me a little bit of confidence, maybe not for this year, but going forward at least. Yeah. No, it it's probably something we need to be looking at if we actually hope this team does start to rebuild and become something because, yeah, we can all agree watching this O-line the last 10 years has been an absolute nightmare. But It's one uh, of those groups that you just – you don't really – I guess the casual fans, more like us, we don't look at offensive or like in the trenches at all. Even like for the Chiefs, like I don't really give a shit about their offensive line. Like, but it is important. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want yeah. Puka to do his thing, you got to have people blocking. If you want your quarterback to stay on his feet and make the right read, you got to give him enough time. So, yeah. if it's not something I'm diving deep into, it's very obviously super important. So, just you know, hearing that we have the young dudes and at least some depth this year, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. So, Bri, getting back to KU defense, you know, we, we lose Mike Lee. 
We lose Bryce Tornadin. And I would say if I'm like looking at this team where I have the most concern and maybe I'm completely wrong, but may, or it might just be that the, the offense does have those exciting Puka, the parchments, Deerman. I'm excited about them. The defense I'm terrified of just because we did lose some names and we really weren't good last year at defense. So like, should we be terrified that this defense is going to suck? Or do you think guys like, you know, Drew Pock, Crocs had a good start last year. Steven Parker, we were all super excited about him when he signed with KU. Like, are those dudes going to step up and make this team at least, I don't know, not the worst defense in the Big 12? Yeah, like, when I talk to people about this, I think it's an interesting, like, catch-22 situation. I think our defense is going to have more talent than it's had in a long time in terms of, I mean, like, if you could fast forward and catch all these players at their peak of when they'll be at KU, I think this defense would be pretty good. However, the problem is you're going to have quite a few people out there who are starting for the first time, uh, especially in the secondary. I mean, you just mentioned two captains um, and two you know, leaders for this previous team in the secondary. And uh, one worry I have is I'm sure you guys remember we had Fish Smiths in here. And I always thought it was kind of hilarious that David Beatty was like priding this kid around as you know, the leading tackler in college football. Well, he was our safety. I mean, you, you think he had like 130 tackles, solo tackles in a season. And it's like, if he didn't make those tackles, that was 134 touchdowns he stopped. <laughs> like, it's like, that's like, that's a problem, in my opinion. And it's been a problem for a while. I mean, Mike Lee, you know, we talked about him all the time because he was knocking kids out, knocking himself out, was knocking other people out, you know. And it's like, I worry, you know, now that you're going to have a young kid out there, is he going to be big enough? Is he going to be strong enough? Is he going to remember to make the right play? I mean, you think about Gavin Potter last year, had crazy moments where he looked great. And then moments where he, I mean, was beat 40 yards down the field by the guy who's supposed to be covering, you know, completely reading, reading things wrong. So that's my worry. And what I think we're going to see is I think we're going to see moments of absolute brilliance. I think you're going to see Karan Prunty out there making an interception. And it's like, holy crap, we haven't had a corner this good. And then you're going to see Karan Prunty fall over, you know, for whatever reason. Or he's going to get mixed up and just the inexperience is going to show. And I think it's going to be just like a very hot and cold balance with this defense. And I think it's going to be one of the things where I, I hope it's good. I hope it's good more than it's bad. I don't know if that's how it will play out. But I think it'll be one of the situations where like a team like Coastal Carolina, where they don't pass the ball very much or very well, I think it'll be very good for a young secondary to kind of get in there and work those things out and get some experience um, before they get into big football play. But I see it as a situation like a team like Oklahoma, a uh, team like Oklahoma State is probably going to absolutely massacre our defense. But then a team, you know, like K-State or a team like Iowa State, where we might actually have better players on defense than they have on offense, I think it might be a situation where we can maybe, you know, actually put up a better fight than we've seen previously. So I think it's going to be a lot of hot and cold. Uh, I'm interested to see how it works out. I am excited, you know, to see some of these kids, especially Stephen Parker, you know, coming off the edge. And, and hopefully, you know, DJ Elliott can, can get everything working together. Yeah, so I wanted to bring up DJ Elliott because I think I've been someone that was hard on him last year. Um, mainly, one, are you a DJ Elliott fan? Do you think he can succeed here? And two, I know you said this all, this defense could be could be really good at times and could be a disaster at times. Are we going to see a game where if our offense puts up – what do we put up against Texas? 50 points? 49 points? Um, 48, 48 at least still managed to lose the game. Like, I think what I really want, I want to know that if Dearman comes out and does Brent Dearman things, that 
if it clicks offensively, we're not going to freaking lose the game putting up 48 points. So I guess that's just what I – that's what really pissed me off about DJ Elliott is I felt like he had some dudes on that team to at least avoid losing games where your offense put up 48 points. Yeah, I would say I'm definitely no DJ Elliott fan. Um, and I don't completely blame him for, you know, like what happened last season, especially, I mean, quite frankly, he had like really no recruits on that defense. I mean, I, I honestly can't think of a single player on that defense last year that he recruited. I guess Malcolm Lee and Caleb Sampson are it. Um, but I would say, I think the big problem with, with DJ Elliott is that, and this has been something I've gathered from people who worked for KU football and, and told me, you know, why they thought DJ Elliott wasn't being successful. And it's, the fact that his head coach was completely hands-off on defense, I think is hindering him. I, I don't think moving to a big club where he's never coached defense before, a conference that, I mean, some people say defensive coordinators go to die. I mean, like, you do, if you're a defensive coordinator, you don't want to go to the – I mean, I don't care who you are. And, I mean, even look at LSU last year. Their defense was really good. Oklahoma was still hanging points on them. You know, you look at Alabama's – you look at Georgia, you know, in the past two playoffs, they beat Oklahoma, but Oklahoma was still hanging points on them. And it's one of those situations like you co- you come to the Big 12 as a defensive coordinator to hopefully have a good year and make a name for yourself and get out or go to die because it's not easy to succeed. So I want to give DJ Elliott credit in regards to that. Like it's not, it's not an easy place to succeed, especially not an easy place to succeed with no talent. But I think some of it too is I do think he's honestly just kind of in over his head with that. I, I think the K-State game last year, man, like, they ran the same four or five plays the entire game, and they they did what they wanted when they wanted. Like I felt like sometimes like Skyler Thompson would just like kind of stop and let us tackle him because he felt bad. And and like it's one of the situations where I do think obviously they have significantly more talent on us, especially in the trenches. But there's a situation like I just don't know if DJ Elliott grasps how to stop big twelve offenses, and he's not alone. Like I, there are plenty of other defensive coordinators in this country who are in the same boat. So I don't want to say, like, I think we could just call somebody and then be better. But I, I definitely don't think DJ Elliott is a high reason to be optimistic about this team. But at the same time, I do think this team has some players. And I think at the end of the day, like, if DJ Elliott can figure things out, and I, I also do worry about the fact he lost his only two defensive assistant coaches who had experience in the Big 12 as well um, this offseason, but... You know, if he can figure it out, if, if he can figure out at least what needs to happen to stop these teams or slow these teams down, I think now we have the players, um, at least, that can help do that. And I, I don't think I – would, I would think that at least with hindsight being twenty twenty, I think if we hang 48 on Texas again, we're going to be – it's kind of what I would say. I think – and I, I would hope that. And I think, you know, even that watching that last minute and 15 seconds or whatever it was, I mean, BGL had quite a few things he could have definitely done different. Um, you know, just managing that. So hopefully, you know, there's there's reason for for Brent Dearman to get 40 and us give up 39 and, and call it a day. Yeah. So I want to get into Coastal Carolina and the games coming up this Saturday. And before we go to Bry, uh, B-Turn, I want to go to you. You're a gambling guy. You, <laughs> like, to, you like to lose bets. Thanks. Um, I, I know you don't know as much about Coastal Carolina as Bry, but just from a from your point of view, if you I assume you'll be betting on this game. <laughs> Are you going to be betting on the Kansas Jayhawks to get revenge on Coastal Carolina on Saturday? Just before we get into anything, I want to hear what you're thinking. What's what uh, what's the spread again? 
I don't, is it like KU It's seven now. It's seven, seven now. It was, it was, it was three. Because we're like, what, minus 200 or more to win? A minus probably. 240. Minus 240, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I, I feel like our defense isn't going to be able to stop anyone. And I just can't really trust any of our quarterbacks. Like, I mean, we've seen Miles Kendrick play a little bit. I think if McVitie was good, he might have started last year. But I'd probably just take Coastal plus seven. But I'm not going to bet against KU because, I mean, this could be our only win of the year. I'm not trying to be negative, but we play most our. I mean, how many non-cons do we even have? Yeah. So I mean, there's not many Big Twelve teams that were better than I'm. I don't know. Is there? No, I, mean, I I struggle to find a conference win. I mean, it sounds Texas, negative. But. Texas Tech gonna stink. Like, who's our best player on defense? Drew Cox, probably. Braden Turner, yeah. starting safety. Yeah. <laughs> Moneymaker, baby. Like, if I just had to pick a side, I'd probably just take Coastal. I've got a little tidbit on it. You uh-huh. guys will you guys will be stunned with this knowledge that I talk me up. into KU, please. <laughs> I don't think I can. Uh, cover well, this stat at least. Cover three pod shouts to them. Uh, they were talking about like most interesting games of the week, and I think it was Danny Cannell said KU and Coastal was like the second most interesting game of the week for him. And he said it was because KU apparently is like 127th in the nation in returning production, and Coastal's top 25. Wow. So that alone scares me, regardless <laughs> of what's going on, but especially in a year with the pandemic where like practices and camps and everything were cut short. It scares me a little bit. With that being said, KU minus seven. I think KU wins by four touchdowns. Okay. Where were you going there? So oh, I just wanted to throw that out. It's the only stat I had in my head. It is interesting because one, <laughs> those dudes have already beat us. Like revenge know, game, baby. They know they've already beat us. They're probably not scared at all of a big of us. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say just from – without knowing shit about Coastal Carolina, be turn on with you. A.B., I know you say we'll win by four touchdowns. I know you don't truly believe that in your heart. I would say I don't feel great about this game. Bry, is there anything you can tell me about Coastal Carolina that will make me feel better, or where are you, where are you feeling? How are you feeling? So this, is, this is what I – this is – I want to start this off before. Before I like kind of give you my opinion, I'm going to ask you guys a question here. If you had to guess, how many passes do you think Coastal Carolina completed on this last year? Nine. I was going to say seven. I, I was they literally nine or seven. You guys took it away. Well, nine of you got it. It's in between. They completed eight passes on it. So 119, 119 yards. So now, if you, if you think about it, obviously the other thing is the rushing game. How many yards do you think, do you think they rushed against us last year? One million. Eighty-seven. Just kidding. I don't know. I can't imagine it's that much. They scored yeah, twelve I, points. I forgot it was twelve to seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they rushed for one hundred and seventy-two yards. And like I look at this, I mean, we they literally had like I think that's two hundred and ninety-one total yards, and it's like. I remember watching that game. I, like, threw my beers against the wall, like, in front of Les Miles, like, high school daughter, by the way. She was, like, sitting with her friends near me, and I threw them at the wall. And I was like, that team felt like they were destroying us. And then I look at this numbers, and it's like, that was so bad. Like, how did we genuinely lose this football game? And I come back, and I this is what I just think so much, is that 
I have so much respect for Brent Dearman. I refuse to believe that Brent Dearman won't hang 30 plus on these guys. I, I just, I just refuse to He's believe. Definitely hanging more than seven. Happen. Yeah. And it's like, even like when we scored on that first drive, it was so easy. And, and I, I, I became the world's second biggest Carter Stanley fan behind his mom last year. That woman supports that kid at the end of earth. And it's like, I remember being so frustrated with Carter after that game because I think there's like a picture and someone like reposted on the planet the other day of Stephon Robinson like 40 yards past everybody wide open and Carter staring at him and he just runs out of the pocket and throws an interception. And it's like, I just feel like that game last year was such a blunder because of poor play calling, poor game plan. Like just the offense we were running was just stupid and not utilizing our talent. Like I just don't see how we don't properly utilize our talent. And just, I, I just, I think, I, I don't want to go for touchdowns. Like, like AB said, I think we are KU football and we will like be on the one yard line and fumble for no reason. But it's like, I, I don't see how KU doesn't win this game. Like, and I say quote unquote comfortably. And, and even a 10 point lead is not comfortable for a KU football fan, but it's like, I think KU will get off to a somewhat quick start. Probably not on the first drive. We're never going to the first drive, but I think KU is kind of up two possessions for a long time. Maybe only ends up one position at the end or something, but I just kind of see KU being in a situation where, like Brent Dearman's offense is going to hang points on these guys. Dude, they were not good. I mean, we ran for more yards than them and passed for about just as many, and it was just stupid blunders, awful third down or third down like power eye formation, like fourth down. Like I'm sure you guys remember that one where like we had power formation, two running backs, and Carter under center. And he, like, goes play action. And Puka is supposed to be the only guy running around on that entire play. And they just tackle him behind the line of scrimmage. They just, like, they thought he had the ball, so they all tackled him. So then Carter's running to the right sideline. And he's, like, five yards short of the first down, like, tries to jump forward with the ball. And so just that play call was probably the worst I've ever seen. And, like, I just don't see stuff like that happening this time around. And I assume, too, you talk about the revenge game. Like, these players have to have this game, you know, that whole pinata scenario playing back in their minds like there's just no way that you love I, that. I, I, I i like to think that there's no way that this are you gonna are you gonna let us know how much you have on ku minus seven or i i, I don't t- i don't touch spreads when it comes to ku man unless it's as an underdog but i i have about 2500 bucks on ku right now and i feel good about it and i got it when it was good i got it at like minus 145 so i'm in oh, a good yes. spot with that and i think um, come game day, I'll see what our point total's at. I think it's no wonder the line moves so much. You fucking push the yeah. line up to seven, man. You should have told us before. Our little, our twenty-five dollar bets would have been nice. Well, it is what it is. I, I don't uh-huh. know how I could, but of course. I, I think it'll be interesting. I think that KU team total over. I'll probably take as well. I, I, I'll probably see if I can get get something out of Brent Dearman to give me a tip on whether or not we're going to hit that total, but. I feel pretty good about KU winning this game so much. So basically, you you think that Deerman can just make whatever quarterback they decide to go with, he can make them look better than they. I really think are. he can. I think he can make them look competent. I, I look at the Bethel. I, I would almost argue Thomas Thomas is better than quarterback Deerman had at Bethel, and like that guy at Bethel was no world beater, but he got the job done. You know, and like that's like that's the thing. It's like we're not Thomas McVitie is not going to be Todd Reesing you know, trucking people over, like, off his back foot, tossing the ball down the field. But I do think he can stand there in the pocket, deliver a pass, um, you know, and make the right read. And I think you saw Carter Stanley, because I think Carter Stanley is actually a pretty decent quarterback, make plays in Brent Dearman's offense last year. 
and we found a lot of success, I think at a bare minimum, Thomas Viti, even in Miles Kinder for Jalen Daniels, can, can do that same thing. Yeah, I uh, I hope so. I guess so. We've got looks like over under is going to be around fifty six and a half. Is that kind of what you've seen, or is that wrong? Yeah, yeah, that's what I've seen. So what's that team total at then? Like thirty one? I don't even know if it's released yet. Yeah, well, yeah, it's I, I, like thirty two, twenty five, or something like that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the total hasn't moved, but the line has. So you know, you're assuming the K's going to score more here. I, I think. That's about right. I think what's actually more likely to happen is probably somewhere around like higher 30s for KU and like low 20, probably high teens for Coastal Carolina. I, I just, I remember watching that team like their second to last game of the year on like Thursday night, Sun Belt football. And I was like, how the, how the hell did we lose to these guys? I mean, it was just, they're, they're bad, man. And like, the CJ Marable, the running back, is actually a pretty good player. Like, I, I, I'm not going to say he's going to be in the league or anything. Like, that's the type of kid that might just come out of nowhere and, like, you know, be an undrafted free agent and, and earn it. Like, he's a pretty good player. But, like, the rest of that team is not good, man. And, like, I just I just don't see how KU doesn't handle business, especially on offense. Um, and let's hope I'm right. Yeah, so we've got Bry on record. He's taking the – or I guess he's on Moneyline Hawks, but – I, it sounds like he'd be taking them with yeah. him if he were betting money. B turn, are you convinced? Are you taking KU minus six and a half or minus seven, whatever it's at now? I'll, I'll uh, buy half a point, take Coastal plus seven. <laughs> uh, AB, you still sticking KU covers quite easily? I mean, yeah, I got the Hawks big. It's just the it's just the gut thing for me. You know, last time I had a gut thing where I had the KU football, Jayhawks winning big. It turned out well, so. Um, you had, it didn't. You had us beating K State by twenty what one points, and we lost by. No, I had forty five twenty, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so confident, and I, you guys know I was like dead serious with that too. Like it's yeah, you said it all year. God damn it, dude! <laughs> it was your didn't K Twitter get a hold of you after that? Oh, yeah. oh my god, they got a hold of before that, before the game. <laughs> For me, like knowing me, how triggered I get online, I was very proud of myself for how I handled that one. Yeah, you just you you handled it perfectly. You just acknowledged how bad of a take it was, and you moved on. You didn't try and I to muted the it. thread. No, 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 no. We got a lot of shit for a K State preview, but like I always say, that game was supposed to be tight. Like Vegas had it as like a yeah. what three point spread. Dude, that was the only yeah, week we had in five years where football felt real like football felt like it mattered not couldn't get a beer beer for two hours i almost pissed my pants because the there were seven porta potties in lawrence kansas that day and yeah (laughs) oops so all right we we've kind of covered coastal and i know we we talked about it a little bit about how just weird this season's gonna be we only have one non-conference game I'll be honest, that leads me, I can't remember which one of you said it, to think that it's hard to see another win on this schedule, assuming we beat Coastal. That's kind of where I stand. One, because Texas Tech, I just feel like they're going to have more talent than us, and it's hard I like to beat them two years in a row just seems unlikely to me. So, Bry, as a guy that has bet KU over team total before, do you see – more than one win on this schedule? 
And I'm not even saying only um, getting one win is a complete failure. Like, I'd be disappointed. It's hard. But, like, I'm literally saying, like, I don't know how you can expect more than one win. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can sit here and be like, you know, like, hey, he's going to win two games. However, I do think you just, like, look at, you know, how sports work. And, like, you just look how almost every season goes, especially last season, you know. At, we were a 20-something underdog three times. We won by 24 once. We should have beaten Texas. We lost on the last second field goal. And Iowa State, we were leading in the fourth quarter. You know, and it, it's, you look at something like that, and it's like, you know, Vegas is obviously is not always right. And you look at those situations and say, like, do you think this team has enough talent to pull something like this off? And I do, because I, I don't think this is 2015 KU where we literally didn't even, like, have a chance. I, I wish I was a betting man back then, because I genuinely, like, I just couldn't imagine every week just fading KU. Like, that would have been the, even if the money line's like minus 1500, like, go get a reverse mortgage on your parents' house. That 2015 KU team was beating nobody. And it's like, my thing is, like, I sit here and I look at, like, West Virginia. I, West Virginia is probably the team I have picked as KU to win. I think, and I think it's interesting, you know, saying we're going to win on the road in the Big 12, but I think West Virginia is going to be a game that I, I would say if we're going to win gun to head, like, West Virginia will be, I think, the game we win. Texas Tech, I, I haven't looked into too many Big 12 teams except, like, the major ones and us. Um, I don't know what their quarterback situation is because, obviously, Jed Duffy transferred. Um, I don't know if Alan Bowman's back or whatever the situation is with that. But, like, Texas Tech, I mean, they weren't very good last year, and I don't still think they'll be that great this year. So I think that's a game, you know, you expect you to compete in. And, and I think we can always always say, like, there's always, like, two games every year that, like, you ride off as, like, an active loss, and we compete. You know, it's like there was no reason for us to compete in Texas or in Austin, Texas last year. It was Brent Gehrman's first game. We just got murdered by Oklahoma the week before. And then even the Iowa State game, I think we just got murdered by K-State. You know, so it was like there was no – Oklahoma State, whoever, like, there was no reason to think we were going to come out and surprise. So I, I think two wins is what happens. I – before the season, like, I thought Vegas was drunk. Like, I literally I, I literally asked the sportsbook writer to find the manager and make sure that, like <laughs> – Whoever was writing this tickets were sober because it was under three and a half when it first came out. I was handling that. And like, I thought we were going to get two, two games. Obviously, I thought we'd get New Hampshire and I thought we'd get Coastal. But I was like, Boston College was going to come into Lawrence, Kansas and just run us out of there. Like, that, that team was not going to forget what happened to them last year and they were going to run us out of town. But like, now it's the two and a half. I placed a pretty large wager on that. I uh, luckily got a friend that lives in Vegas that placed that for me. And I, I just don't see where we get a third. And if we do get a third, that the emotional enjoyment for me has no price tag. So it's like, in my opinion, we're getting I, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I'd be okay with that. I, I would be Hello. very excited about that. And what I think will be like the crazy, interesting variable is to see how coronavirus works and how that impacts things. And Scott Jason wrote an article today, like talking about whether or not teams will lie and cheat, you know, in terms of their COVID numbers and stuff. But it's like, Dude, if we catch a team like Iowa State without Brock Purdy, you know, let's say Brock Purdy gets COVID, like, that changes Iowa State. I mean, they go from a team that, for some reason, is ranked in the top 25 to a team that, does anyone know who their backup quarterback is? You know, and, like, you get a team like K-State even, for example, Skyler Thompson gets COVID. And they occasionally have some serious COVID issues. I mean, their entire receiving unit has been out the past two weeks. So, it's like, it's one of the situations I think it'll be very interesting to see if KU can maybe get a gift um, in regards to that. 
um, because I can, I, and I told you guys, obviously, on Twitter, and we're not getting any gifts in terms of which players on our team are getting it. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works out for other teams as well. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I love that you emotionally hedged it. I mean, I know you didn't do it with that thinking, but it is always nice to have a bet where if it goes the other way, you may lose a lot of money, but at least you have the enjoyment of an awesome season. And I think we'd all agree three wins would be incredible. Uh, A, B, B turn. I want to hear your guys' official predictions. How many wins does KU football get this year? I think one is safe, not to like echo what you guys were just saying, but I don't know. But what I will say too is, and Brad kind of touched on with COVID, not only the players thing, but like the fans thing has to come into it too. Like if we're just good, like West Virginia at West Virginia, if it was a full house with 80,000 people in a normal year, I don't think we have much of a chance to win that game. Now that it's just almost in a way like feels like a scrimmage with no one or maybe 20% of people in the stands, like that certainly levels the playing field at least a little bit to where you look at a schedule, you know, last year in the past decade or so, you can point out five losses right away. When you're looking for KU wins, you're looking at home games. So if that levels the playing field at all, maybe we get lucky and injury happens, a sickness happens. Mm -hmm. Not that people want that, but maybe that gets us a win, but I'm just going to stick with one. I think we'd be coastal and can go winless in conference. Yeah, I would say one, two, and even Coastal is obviously not a guarantee. We're only six-point favorites, but it would be awesome if we were competitive in the Big 12 games. I mean, it would be nice if we could hang with K-State. Not going to happen, but it would be nice to – I mean, Tech, Tech's probably not amazing. We beat them last year, and then it would just be cool not to get blown out every week in the Big 12 and just stay competitive and maybe even compete with K-State and – keep some in-state recruits or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think we – I'm glad I'm, – I'm just glad we get college football. It sucks that we can't tailgate. It sucks that we're probably not even able to go to the games. But the thought of potentially never getting to see Puka play again was absolutely terrifying. I'm glad we don't have to live through that. So I'm just going to try and enjoy it. And I know by five minutes into Coastal Carolina, I'll be melting down. I want to finish with this. Bry, if KU football loses to Coastal Carolina on Saturday, one, what will you do? And two, what's KU football Twitter going to look like? Um, I I don't even know what I will do because like it's impossible for me to measure what happens to me when my heart breaks and like I experience like emotional duress. Like I it's like. I react differently every time, so to try and predict like what future Bryson will do is just impossible for me. And I think any girl that's like ever dated me would also tell you that exact same thing. Um, but what KU football Twitter will look like, I can at least speak for the part of it that I represent, and that is like absolute all caps meltdown. And I think it also kind of depends in what fashion. Like if it's just like the wheels came off the bus. Like, offense put up 40, and DJ Elliott's defense was just missing an action. Like, I'll say this, like, and I consider myself a pretty civil person on Twitter, like, 99.9% of the time. But, like, somebody's getting tagged. I don't know who, and I think it'll depend on who I personally, like, decide to put the blame on. Because I know at 1 a.m. in the 1, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning, I'll, I'll be way too drunk to think rationally. But, like, I one of these five people is getting tagged. Jeff Long? Les Miles, uh, DJ Elliott. Um, I, I don't think I would tag Brent Dierman. I refuse to believe Brent Dierman could be wrong, so I won't blame him. Um, 
maybe McVitie himself. Um, I don't know. Someone's getting like tagged in my tweets because someone will be on the receiving end of us losing, and it's not going to be me. And yeah, dude, it might be Peyton. But I might have to go with Peyton Bender again because honestly, I think <laughs> like, honestly, I might blame David Beatty. I could see myself tagging David Beatty in something. Just like, just you have like the fact that he got us this point that we get beat by Coastal twice. Like that's just disgusting to me. So yeah, I, I think K Football Twitter will be like very emotional. Um, well, I'm really excited to see, and I, I don't know like what the case is for you guys. But, like, I've never watched KU play a home game on TV ever in my entire life. I would never done that. It's been um, like five years since I've probably done that, and well, yeah, I don't know, something like that. We, I've been to most of the games. One, uh, I'm ex- kind of excited to watch on TV. It'll just be interesting to tailgate all day and then be able to not have to go in the stadium and kind of keep drinking. But two. Yeah. A, B, B turn, you guys have done the tailgate with me and our crew. And, Brian, I know you do the tailgate, too. How dangerous is a 9 p.m. kickoff for us tailgaters? Dude, it, that, I don't even want to get started. It's, it's, it's made me sick thinking about, like, how long we'll be out. And I think it's supposed to warm up again. And the sun just slinging yeah. to watch an 0-10 possible football team. I I agree with Bri. I, I I don't know what I'll do meltdown wise, but you give anyone twelve hours to drink between like start of a tailgate to end of the game, like something's gonna people are gonna say things they probably shouldn't say. Yeah, and, uh, it, they should just win. They they, they just win again. Just just win. Just do that. But you mix you mix in. There's nothing that gets KU football going more than a bad quarterback. People lose their minds yeah. about quarterback. That's in play because it's a new quarterback. You don't have a love for anybody. The fact that everyone will have been drinking all day is in play. The first game of the season's in play. And Coastal Carolina beat us last year. To lose to them two years in a row and mix in all those other factors, plus life's just sucked, period, with coronavirus, I think we could see an all-time KU football meltdown on Twitter. Like, I'm talking – I love Bryce's quote of somebody's getting tagged. That's hilarious. <laughs> but, like, I truly think people will want to, like, fire less miles if we lose. And that will be wrong. We shouldn't fire him if we lose. But I'm just throwing it out there in case so we can go back and listen to this. The meltdown will be all time. But I don't want to but spend too much focusing on that. I've got a suggestion. If we route them by 40, we're going to start talking about, like, four or five wins. We'll oh, yeah. five seed in our minds to make the college football playoff. But we lose. Everyone's talking defeated, winless season. Like, Ryan's going to legitimately, like, start a, a hashtag Puka for Heisman if he goes for, like, 19 carries, 172, two touchdowns, and then catches a touchdown in the backfield. And, and I know he's going to mean it. I know he's not going to be kidding. I mean, I, I yeah. I'm telling you, it's a weird year. Anything can happen. Half the players are out. Players I'd like to believe not. it. Just saying. Just saying. But, yeah. I, I- I was curious. I'll get your guys' opinion on this here too. So we're obviously like I know the original like uh, media poll and coaches poll has all the teams in it, but like the week two poll will have all the teams out of it that aren't playing, right? Like you won't have like Ohio State zero and zero number three in the country all year, will we? No. I doubt it. That looks stupid after a while. The only way I can yeah, see so- staying in is if they are like the possibility of them being able to play, say in like two weeks, where if they're like, well, Ohio State might not play, but in two weeks they're going to be playing, so why would we not yeah. keep them in the top five? I'm curious. Like, and obviously this is this is a dream because we really just talked about KU not winning football games. 
But Baylor will not have a game before they play KU. I don't know if you guys saw that. I mean, their game against whoever that Louisiana Tech is not happening. Um, so we will be Baylor's first game under a new coach, Dave Aranda. And, like, I think Dave Aranda is, you know, obviously he was Les Miles' defensive coordinator. I think he's going to absolutely embarrass, like, do everything he can to embarrass the guy. Hopefully not. But it's like, if we start off 2-0, and I don't even know who our third game is off the top of my head. I don't know why I don't know it. But I, I don't State, I think. Oh, never mind. We have no chance of beating that team. They're going to absolutely destroy us. But do we get votes? If we're 2-0, do we get votes? Yeah, well, I mean, how many teams are playing? Like, There's like 72, and it's like, you think about all the Power 5 teams, like the SEC is only playing each other. So it's like, there's going to be teams in the top 25 losing the first week, and then maybe even teams losing the second week. And it's like, do we see... Somehow, some way, do we see a KU team get some votes at two and zero? You want you want to talk about me starting a hashtag? If KU starts two and zero, I will be fighting every voter in the world and Dude. trying to cyber bully them into ranking the Hawks. Dude, I honestly, honestly, I know like Jesse Newell gets a lot of flack in college basketball, like how he does his rankings. If Jesse Newell doesn't put KU in at two and zero, honestly, <laughs> honestly, maybe even at one and zero, I'll be like pretty tagged. disappointed, dude. I will. T- I'll start tagging Jesse Newell the second he, he starts really yeah, he's, he's the one. If he, if he hasn't put us in at one and zero, it's like how do you not? Like how how can you tell me all these other teams are better than us? They got half of money to play in. So this is why I love KU football fans. This is why we are the most entertaining. Just sad fan base ever. We just went from talking about going 0 and 10, and now we're like ready to bully voters for not ranking us if we go 2 and 0. But you know what? That's what's so fun about KU football is you just never know what we normally do know. It's yeah, we do well, know. We, but we our have known very trying, well exactly what KU football is. The last our brains trying to tell us we don't know what's going to happen. But yeah. We're the, we're the most optimistic people in the world with no reason to be optimistic. I know. Mm-hmm. It's truly sad. But, all right, boys, I think we've gone over an hour, and that's the most I've talked about KU football in a year so uh, or in, like, nine months. So I, uh, I hope listeners, probably similar to most of us, you just kind of haven't been in the loop with KU football recently with everything going on. It just doesn't feel normal. But it's here. It's going to be a great day. You should go tailgate in your backyard. Does anybody here have anything else they want to add before we take off? All right. Well, good talk. Yep. Good talk, boys. <laughs> Bye. We appreciate you coming on. Um, if you don't follow Brian on Twitter, throw him a follow. What's your handle, Brian? Brian Strick. Brian Strick. Yep. Throw him a follow. And uh, yeah. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Chiefs. <laughs> we'll see you.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.